0: We're currently live.
1: Yeah, we are. I think we're currently live. How's it going?
0: It's going great. Excellent. Another beautiful day in San Diego.
1: <laughs> so today we have with us, and I'm making sure that we're airing this on the right Facebook page. But uh, today we have with us uh, John Ford. John Ford is uh, John Ford's an American hero. He, he's the man. He is uh, a Navy veteran. He is a owner of a really awesome dog I'm a big fan of. Um, he grows the best beard in all of lifesaver in my opinion. And, should uh, have a
0: contest because yeah, I would, I mean,
1: you, you would win. You'd probably I'd be win. happy to get another trophy. That'd be yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. John, John Ford was the rookie of the year for 2017, 2016, 2016. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. For the, uh, of all of the new lifesaver dealers that started in 2016, uh, John was the best one. So that was really cool. Um, so, as a lifesaver pool fence uh, owner in San Diego, he goes in people's backyards. He assesses um, their pool safety situation. He gives them the best recommendation on how they can safeguard their pool and make their pool safer for their children uh, based upon you know their family, their needs, their the layout of their backyard. Um, he does all of this uh, every single day. And he also uh, installs and sells uh lifesaver pool fencing and different other different pool safety products, pool arms. Uh, he refers uh, swimming lessons and, you know, he's just anything related to pool safety is within John's wheelhouse. And he's got an awesome backstory that I'm going to get uh, that hopefully he can get into. And, and that's it. Did I miss anything?
0: Yeah. Oh, no, that's uh, you pretty much hit the nail on the head every mm-hmm. day. Every, every day. day I'm out there, yeah. <laughs> every, I mean I mean that's not that's not for off, right? Oh yeah, no. I actually really, really enjoy it. It's something that I didn't even know was an option when I uh was thinking about what I wanted to do. I was really happy to that a family friend uh kind of was involved with you guys for the last decade and uh got me into this and I really uh have been every day it gets better and better though too. So it's not like oh every day, it's like Every day, you know, sunny day, San right. Diego, I get to be in people's backyards. I go everywhere from La Jolla to um, El Cajon and North and South County. And I get to see different parts of San Diego that, you know, I'm not a San Diego native. So I'm always enjoying exploring different areas, um, different different beaches that you can try and uh, scavenge your way down to and try and find one that's not overrun. But it's, it's always fun. Uh, going out there, and it's very rewarding, especially when the fence is up, and uh, I see these uh, little kids just going up and just bouncing <laughs> on the fence, trying to get through there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. good job, me, <laughs> It's like, uh, it's very, very rewarding to to also have the parents go, oh, my gosh, the peace of mind I have just standing back here after uh, having the fence up for half an hour, you can see this whole wave of relaxation uh, especially um, with grandparents or someone uh, who just occasionally watches the kid—not the child, excuse me—who's uh, not used to, um, not used to the high energy and stress of having a toddler or a young child running around, uh, and then with the danger of the swimming pool, it's really nice to be able to put a fence in for people who really appreciate it.
1: Nice. So I always like to ask people first. There, you know, every superhero has a superhero origin story. So I always like to ask, you know, your origin story, you know, if, uh, if you were a superhero, you know, um, which you are kind of, what, what is your origin story? Where did you come from? You know, what was the path that led you to your, you know, current uh, superhero status?
0: So, um, I, how far do you want me to go back? All the way. To the beginning. All the to way. Perception. So. I came out (laughs) screaming and crying and uh, (laughs) so um, I was born in Northern California in San Jose, Mm -hmm. a little, well, not so little of a town, but it's just South Bay about 40 minutes south of San Francisco. Okay. Um, And we lived in a little house in Aptos, which like right on the sea cliffs for until I was about a year and a half old. And that was about the longest we had stayed anywhere until I had uh, turned eighteen and did started doing my own thing. So well, why did I you move resident? Well, it wasn't uh, wasn't like military uh, really background. My dad was in the army during uh, way back in Vietnam era. Mine too. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh,
1: salute to that. Yeah. Um, so, but, but uh, I'm quite a bit older than you. So how how your dad must have had you rather late, huh?
0: Yeah, so I'm 26. My dad's 75. Wow, that's yeah. impressive. So
1: that means he was 50, is that right? Yeah, yeah, wow. or
0: 49 or 51. Wow, one of those is he still around? Yeah, yeah, he's still that's doing pretty good. Unfortunately, he had a stroke uh, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. but he's doing really, really well. Uh, it's not, it wasn't a major stroke they, my mom was able to get him to the hospital fast enough to get this, the uh, emergency shot. So that right. was, that really helped out. So he has a little bit of balance issues, but that's about it. So that's really, um, a blessing. So how old so, is your mom? Um, uh, she is now 63. Wow. Oh man, putting me on the spot here. Yeah. So, I mean, but so both of <laughs> your parents had you really kind of late. I
1: mean, was this their first are you the only child? First and only, and best, and best. <laughs> yeah. And and was this their first marriage? Were they did they have prior marriages? Uh, it's
0: my mom's first marriage. My dad's Twelve. second marriage. Okay. Or third. I don't know. Okay. I never met the two first ones. Right. So yeah. Like, wow. That's <laughs> I, it's
1: it's rare to hear people starting a family um, at that wise age. Um, my so I'm in a kind of a similar boat. And I thought my parents started yeah. late. Um, my mom was 37 when she had me, and my dad was like 34. Um, and they were always really grateful that they had kids later in life because they thought they were a little bit smarter, wiser, uh, a little more, um, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, you know, that they were just better people because they were, you know, 37 and not 25, right? Uh, not that there's anything wrong with having kids at 25. But in in, oh, their, in in their particular case, you know, um, you know, they were partiers back in their 20s. So they, they were glad that they kind of got that out of the system and, uh, and and waited to have kids, you know,
0: and your parents. Yeah, waited I really. Longer, uh, which is super impressive. Yeah, I think I really benefited from uh, that. Uh, my parents, like you said, just collective wisdom over the. You Know almost collectively 100 years of experience they had right <laughs> before I was born. That's the same, <laughs> the better part of a century. So, um, anyways, yes, yeah, so I give them a hard time about it all the time, but um, I really, it's, they were very calm relaxed. Uh, we, well, so, part of the reason we moved around so much, though, to answer your question was uh, my dad was in the high tech uh, industry doing wireless network bridges, which. I think is like Wi-Fi. I'm not really sure. Yeah, Uh, yeah. so uh, he was doing that right during the dot-com bomb uh, time frame. So just going from uh, different small startup tech companies to – different small t- startup tech companies meant ma- that we moved around all over California. I actually went to uh, three different high schools throughout my high school career, wow. and one of them was actually just r- pretty right down close to here, El Toro High School in uh, Laguna, or Al- Lake Forest, okay. and then Aliso Niguel in Aliso Niguel. I, that might just be the name of the city. I don't really remember the name of the high school. Um, but yeah, so it was cool kind of having that eclectic experience growing up, not only having my parents be calm and relatively wise, uh, and but also moving around and getting to meet literally hundreds, if not thousands of people before, you know, I struck out into the world for myself. And then uh, after I... I Tried a myriad of uh, retail jobs in the food service industry, and pretty much just landed on. You know, I think I'm going to join the Navy and, uh, you know, see the world. They say. Right.
1: Uh, Before you get to that, uh, Stephanie Marie Robertson, who's an I, who's a swim instructor, she says hi. I wanted to say hi back. Um, She says hi to Eric and John, both of us. Hello. Uh, Which I I think you can see that in a little mini screen. See the little uh, the window there. See see her. Yes. There she is. Cool. Alright, um, so then you joined the Navy which um, my uncle um, I have two uncles that are one was in the Navy and I think the other one still is um, and one actually just liked our uh, our post which is kind of funny uh, his name is Damon, my uncle Damon Lupton and he was in the awesome. Navy and his brother, my, uh, my other uncle, um, is a master chief as is his wife um, so I always wow. thought coming from a family who's kind of you know, really heavy into the navy and my grandfather was in the navy as well uh he served in world war ii um and actually you know served in japan on a on a naval wow. um, ship you know off the coast of japan you know right around the time of the bombing so um you know like i said i have a i have navy kind of in in my bones so i appreciated your your navy story so you so you joined the navy uh, to see the world as my dad often used to say when they suckered him into the army
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly so i joined the navy to see the world and uh that i that is what happened i did see the world so uh like no no complaints there i guess as promised or delivered as promised uh one of the things that uh, i really enjoyed about that was uh seeing different countries that i would you know never travel to on my own time like what Uh, like we went to the Philippines. Philippines uh, we went to Kuwait we went to Dubai uh, and we stopped by a little little part of Africa on our way back home was like places I would never go to but seeing different like uh, countries and just the structure of it and you can see like western influences in different countries they're like the touristy areas um, but for the most part it's totally different everywhere else you know it's uh, way more different than you can't just watch a YouTube video or like uh, read a book about it and go oh yeah I kind of know how that is right it's one of those things that you have to be immersed in it before you're like wow California is amazing you know I just don't want to now I kind of want to stay on the West Coast indefinitely or uh, no pretty much just the West Coast Because uh, there's this, we would get like briefings. I'm sure this didn't help with my opinion or my predisposal list. But we would get like briefings on, okay, so you're allowed to go within five miles of the ship. Uh, You have to have two people with you at all times. You can't, you know, do this. You can't do that. This is dangerous. And if you uh, aren't back to the ship by this time, we're leaving because this area is dangerous. So good luck. (laughs) Wow. uh, Yeah. I was a little bit – that was like – that was a little bit of a eye-opening experience especially with all these different experiences of getting on the ship and just uh, you know just uh, as an as a repair as an engineer on the ship I was getting a whole new skill set I didn't even you know consider so that was a really cool experience so that's what you did you were an engineer yeah so I had um, signed up under the advanced electronics computer field That was uh, kind of just like, um, so if anyone's watching and thinking about joining the armed forces, this is some unsolicited advice for people. Uh, If you take the ASVAB and you qualify like pretty good, just, I'm not gonna throw any numbers out there, but I'll just say I qualified relatively where I could do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Don't go for the most difficult thing there is, go with what you think would be the most fun because you're gonna be there for four years. You might as well be having some fun. Uh, Even if it's a little bit more dangerous than you might want to do, go have fun. Because otherwise you're gonna get just over encumbered with things that are just, um, like I said, advanced electronics computer field. Do you have no, I think you probably know how long it took me to get this video working on my cell phone. (laughs) I am not a computer guy, (laughs) you know? So. But um, but you're doing it on your phone which I think is the first time uh, we've done it
1: on a phone. Someone asked if we could. So I'm glad that you have kind of broken the, uh, broken the barrier now that we know that it's possible on a phone. So thank you for that.
0: Always happy to break the barrier with us. Yeah. So um, I, uh, yeah, I had signed up for that and I did not want to, uh, after going to school for like a year for that, I was, mm-hmm. it's by the time, it's a long story story, by the time I got to the fleet, I was uh, an undesignated fireman, which means I could strike for pretty much any rate I wanted to, But in the meantime, I was assigned to whatever division needed hands. So that was the um, uh, engine men uh, down in like the engine room. So taking engines apart and putting them like engines with uh, pistons that are the size of my chest. Like it was kind of like they were and the whole thing's the size of a school bus. They've got a turbocharger on it the size of like a Camry engine. It's insane. So uh, that, was in, that was interesting and, it, and enjoyable because I was kind of mechanically inclined before. But then uh, I had to strike as an electrician. So I spent the last you know year or so as an electrician. And there was also a good stretch of time when I first got to my ship where I got assigned to uh, repair division, which was just bits and pieces of things all over the ship I got to work with. So that was really cool. And uh, also very handy for getting a little jack-of-all-trades uh, expert in a little bit of everything. So, But mainly, this is the most valuable, again, unsolicited advice for anyone thinking of joining the service. Uh, the most valuable uh, experience you'll get from the military is the, the ability and proper etiquette for just dealing with anyone. Anyone you want to talk to. Yeah, uh, there's especially boot camp is such an extreme ex- like example that you're basically sharing a room with a hundred dudes, um, or I think they have like ed boot camp divisions now, but you, they then they split them up at the right. end of the day. But anyways, dealing with like a hundred different personalities, a hundred different ways of dealing with the same problem, you know, you have to be able to communicate yourself eloquently in order to get through that for, you know, two months and then four years after that. So it's a really good experience that I would recommend to many people uh, who want to see the world. (laughs) So so real quick before we move on, what was your favorite country? My favorite country was Hawaii. (laughs) Okay. That makes sense. Obviously a joke. Yes, I I know that's a state, but that was my favorite port for sure. Yeah. Um, if I had to take a country, though, I would say uh, the little part of Africa we went to, which doesn't represent Africa as a whole. I think a country is called Dukum. Maybe it was like a city state. I'm not sure. I was basically kind of like in the dark, in a dark hole in the ship for a month or two months at a time. And then we'd come out at a port like, oh, it's oh, the world. where are we? Who who cares? Like, where's the ocean? Like, well, it's right here, but you don't want to swim next to the ship. So you just kind of see the see the town, you know. Right. Like more interested in just going out there and, and having experiences than uh It's, it's yeah. funny,
1: you, you say Hawaii the country and you say it's a joke, but I went to Hawaii. I went I've been in Hawaii twice and the second time I went, I went to Maui and the girl I went with was really concerned about not having her passport ready in time, because she thought she needed her passport to go with me to Hawaii, and um, I am yeah. not with her anymore. So yeah, there you go. That's oh. that might be why. Yeah, that, that may be part of the reason is she thought Hawaii was another country. Um, perfect. Uh, by the way, Heather Allison is another swim instructor, and she says hello as well. That's really cool. Um, so, hello. so how did you transition from protecting our country in the Navy? to protecting children in swimming pools?
0: Well, that is a great question. So and by the way, how do you, how do you like that segue by the
1: way? Cause I was kind of impressed with that just now.
0: Oh yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, awkwardly work my way through that segue all the time on estimate <laughs> and uh, I think you did very, very good job at it. Better, Thank you. better than I do on estimate. You, you can use that as I don't mind. Yeah. yeah. So I'm usually like I, if I'm not wearing my like uh, NWU pants uh, which can go both ways so those are the the old style and the, the whole navy switched over to green camo now okay. which like thanks a lot uh, you got the cool uh, cool uniform after I got out when I was in when my wife was in uh, we were wearing the blue pajamas the whole gotcha. time like uh, the, the camouflage blue which I never understood the logic behind because it's like oh if you fall in the ocean we'll never find you <laughs> great <laughs> so, and, and that's important to note you both you and your wife uh, were both in the Navy right yeah that's actually where we met so that, that's really that cool was, yeah and uh, I what that's probably the most valuable thing that I got from the Navy was uh probably, I like to say probably yeah. like you know don't probably. let her hear that yeah. yeah yeah she's uh not standing right there scowling at me
1: at all yeah yeah thankfully it's just <laughs> you and I talking and no one can see this so we're, we're safe um, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good call. So, so, so you transitioned from protecting America to protecting babies.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it was a really interesting transition, uh, because, uh, we had both gone out like at the same time. So it was, we really had an open schedule. We had like nothing really planned. We were both thinking about hey, do you want to go back to school uh, on the GI Bill? Do you want to kind of just travel for a little while? Do you want to stay in San Diego? Do you want to go up to Northern California? And we're both transplants from Northern California. Um, and we ended up uh, going up with, to the South Bay area, so relatively Northern California. No one ever wants to say Central California, but it is Central California. That is what it is. So Central California and uh, stayed with Mark Inkle, Lifesaver of Northern California. And, uh, you know, while we were there, we were doing some training with him and he said, hey, do you want to start a franchise down in San Diego? And I was like, heck, yeah, I do. Uh, It sounds amazing. I always wanted to own my own business. I thought it was a really noble cause. Uh, and, and, and,
1: and let's let's be uh, clear—it's not a franchise. He he got the nomenclature wrong, but that's fine. Oh, you,
0: know, so you got yeah. oh is it really?
1: Yeah. It's, well, no, you don't have a franchise. You don't you don't pay franchise fees. You're uh you're a dealer. You own your own business. That is, uh oh
0: okay cool. Well, I will have to change that across the board then.
1: Yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, Heather um, Allison, who I was wrong is not an ISR instructor. She is a uh, just a water safety ambassador. Said she lived in San Diego for ten years.
0: Awesome. Well, I hope to see her around. I'll actually be at an IPSA chapter meeting tomorrow uh, nice. at Admiral Baker Field. I think it starts at one or two p.m. Allison, you're more than welcome. You're to be invited. Um, so her name is have Heather. Food. Actually, she's awesome
1: because she has two first names. Her name is Heather and Allison. I think her first name is actually Heather. So,
0: oh, awesome. Well, Heather, Heather Allison. Uh, <laughs> Come on out to Admiral Baker Field tomorrow. I'd be happy to talk to you about safety and free food. So not provided by me, the good people of IPSA. Heather, do you still live in San
1: Diego? Let's see what she says. Bum, bum, bum. Anyways, so you, while she's uh, responding about living in San Diego, did you, uh, so you you met up with Mark Kinkle, who has been a lifesaver uh, of Northern California for a very, very long time. And he's been doing it um, successfully, and he's got employees, and, you know, he's protected hundreds, if not thousands of pools. Uh, by the way, Heather lives in North Carolina now, so she probably will not make your episode meeting. Oh, um, no. I'm sorry, Heather. Somebody will. That's all right. Yeah. But, um, but so you, you grew up with his son, right? You're really good friends with his
0: son. Yeah. I've, I've uh, seen Mark doing uh, the pool fence, being involved with pool fence since I was in literally fourth grade. Wow. Uh, so that was kind of a cool a cool experience because uh, I never really took too much of an interest to like all this strange stuff floating around his garage right. uh, until uh, I got out of the Navy and uh, he was saying, hey, do you want to open your own business? And I said, uh, heck yes, because I think I mentioned before that's something I always, always wanted to do uh, and then also a very stark contrast to the Navy experience or any military experience Uh, having the command structure of, you know, at least 17 people directly above you and all of them have their opinions (laughs) on how you should be doing your job to being your own boss, captain of your own ship. It's very uh, rewarding in every, in every way, you know? So uh, I was about uh, two months training with Mark and uh, just doing fences every, every single day, just the, The estimate process with Logan, as well as the installation process with Logan, Derek, Eric, his, you know, his crew of people that he's got going. And uh, I owe a lot of the success that I have. And, you know, that shiny trophy you guys gave me to uh, Mark's really and your really good mentorship that first year really helped me get going. Uh, Even though I had no idea what I was doing or an inkling of what I was getting myself into, I still uh, felt like I did you know a r- relatively good job at getting out there and keeping kids safe so that was and that's the goal so that's that's the mission mission accomplished there.
1: And, and let's talk a little bit and, I, and I'm, I know it's okay to talk about this because there was an article about it um, in the local San Diego news. but let's talk a little bit about the arc your, your life took uh, during your journey of being you know the lifesaver in San Diego you know you came out of the navy and you know you um had you know some difficulties getting making the transition maybe immediately and you started lifesaver of san diego up and like any new business you know required investment and time and energy and um and if i get this right you were literally homeless at one point right
0: oh yeah so uh when we had started uh when we came after we did training with mark uh, training-slash-couch-surfing, which uh, worked really well, very uh, cohesive. Right. Uh, so um, <laughs> we uh, had sunk pretty much everything we had, and also Mark helped us out with a, with a small loan to get some tools. He also loaned me some other tools and to get a van, and we came back down to San Diego uh, with a storage unit and a mattress in the back of the van, and so we would uh, like try and do estimates during the day, get people scheduled, get every all the paperwork like paperwork filled out and on the calendar, and then just find it. Oh, and we kept twenty-four hour gym memberships because what a great deal for homeless people! You know, thirty dollars a month, you can take you use the bathroom anytime you want, and you can take a shower anytime you want. Uh, it's very if anyone interested in being homeless also. 24-hour fitness, got to throw that, that unsolicited advice out there too. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was actually kind of cool not having any, uh, I mean, it looks way better in hindsight because and during the actual experience, it's a little bit stressful, you know, getting chased off of properties or having the cops called on you for literally no reason. It's just illegal to be homeless, which I have my own opinions on. But anyways... Right. Uh we were staying in the back of the van uh, and then wake up in the morning, do estimates. And we were only staying in the back of the van for, like, I think three or three around three months or something. It was so long ago now. Uh, and, 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 I mean, we hear this narrative all the time of people, you know, leaving
1: the military. And both you and your wife were in the Navy. And, you know, to think that after serving our country, you end up, you know, homeless is... I mean it's terrible you know there's there's no way there's no other way to put that you know and obviously well, you were mean, trying to start your business and everything but you know at yeah. the same time that, that that sucks
0: yeah I mean it is it does suck they, there are a lot of programs out there uh, that will help people transition you know uh, they actually have a whole week-long class about helping people transition uh, more depth by PowerPoint before they finally get their uh, <laughs> claws out of you but, right. um, but, but, but I mean, one week after a four year long
1: experience isn't really, you know, maybe that's not enough. I don't know. It, it, it might be, but,
0: you know. Well, I mean, it definitely had its own valuable lesson. Uh, being in the back of the van and starting the business definitely sure. creates a drive and motivation way better than a little bit of caffeine Starbucks in the morning. So, right. Uh, that kind of mindset of you know this is the this is the only choice you know you, you kind of right. success is the only option um, I mean I'm not gonna start doing an Eminem monologue right now but uh, one chance yeah what um, I what what opportunity you know, Yeah. I, now I can't remember it but you know yeah. you know yeah. yeah I know yeah you know yeah. <laughs> So you,
1: so, um, so you were homeless. You were in the back of the van. You were, you know, going out to people's homes. You were giving them pool safety evaluations. Uh, mm-hmm. You were installing pool fences for them to make their homes safer for pools. And and you know, what did you like about pool safety in general?
0: Just like the freedom of uh, doing my own installs and like the satisfaction of having extremely happy customers at the end of the day. Or even better yet, the customers who absolutely load the idea of putting a fence in their backyard. They're like, oh, this is going to be so ugly. Like, all I can do is smile because I hear that literally every week now. It's going to be so ugly. And then we, I, I um, direct those customers towards something that's going to be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing, like the copper vein or the smooth pole black or smooth pole brown. Or copper vein poles with black on black border and mesh looks fantastic. Looks totally different than any other pool fence out there, especially with the arched gate, uh, the double truss upright system on the gate. It's something that stands out in the yard as a benefit or something that adds to the value or aesthetic value of their yard. At the end, I've had people literally almost like in tears. They were like, "Oh, I was so worried about this, but it looks so good." It was like. Surprised, but also, you know, happy for them that it ended up so good. And I was right. happy to facilitate that as well. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I
1: guess that is a common misconception that, you know, a fence around your pool is going to be ugly. But, uh, you know, a mesh pool fence is different than like a wrought iron prison around their pool. You know, like you said, there's different color combinations, it's transparent. And, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's, in, you know, you can talk about this probably more than I can, but, you know, it's designed to keep children out of the pool.
0: Yeah. Every single, every single aspect of the fence. I mean, at the, at the top and the bottom of the fence where we have the four rows of stitching, mm-hmm. which is nice to have those four, because, you know, you know, if you lose one, you still got three more. If you lose two, you still got two yeah. more. Uh, and that's why we have that lifetime warranty. Um, but as well as, Uh, when you pull on that border material, if you were a child, even if you were a little army ranger child and could do a straight pull-up, it just yields to your pulling on it. There really isn't any good handhold for a child to grab on, as well as I hear a lot of the time people are concerned, well, if it's so easily removable, then how do I know my kids aren't going to be able to do this? And one of the key features of the fence is that it's a tension-based system. So that means when... You have a 15-foot-long section that ends and another one begins. You have a double post and then a safety snap latch. You have to have not only the enough manual de, or strength and dexterity to pull those poles together from the top, but you need to keep them from rolling as well as using your other hand to unclasp the latch. <clears throat> and really, all of that's impossible unless your shoulder is at least three and a half feet off the deck. Right. You know, so I wouldn't say that even... A, a, like a, I would say around 10 to 13 would be when I would start to worry, but then we have the permalatches, so if swimming is still an issue. I mean, you can just attach the permalatches, and then everything's uh, whambo-bambo, good to go. Uh, also, a key in the magna latch on the gate is another great feature. That, so there's a lot of peace of mind that goes into this, or a lot, of, a lot of little details go into this to create the peace of mind at the end, including one of the most impressive things that a customer or one of the things that my customers seem to be most impressed with one of the smallest features we put on the fence and that's a little slide that sits on the bottom of the gate hinge it's like what, a 20 cent piece of plastic but when it, the right application and getting attached the right way uh it just really the, it, it's the last the last thing that a child would be able to use to try and scale the fence is that hinge because that's a good foothold and then not anymore because we put a slide on there and attach it with a screw. So it's really just things. And like, this is one of the kind of a side note here. One of the things I really appreciate about Lifesaver because I had no idea when I said, uh, yeah, to Mark that I would love to open up my own business down here. Turns out Lifesaver is the best, uh, best pool fence business out there. I had no idea. I'm sure you have an idea. I had no idea when I started this business. So I was uh, really stoked about that, especially when I go out on repair jobs or go see other fences that I didn't install. And it's really a stark comparison uh, compared to like our standard operating procedure that Emily and I do just when we go do an install. So I really, uh, when we, when we, I know it's a small thing, the little gate slide on the hinge, but that just, that, that attention to detail with, oriented towards safety is really special you know it's not something that um it's something that if i was getting a fence installed in my backyard it's what i would expect but it's not necessarily the standard absolutely and
1: you know it's little attention to details to show that there's a lot of thought put into it that we're really trying to you know solve any problem that could you know come forward so besides a pool fence, which is obviously important to you and, you know, one of the main things you recommend, you know, what other pool safety things can people do to make their pool safer?
0: So it's all about <laughs> safety is like an onion, Eric. I don't know <laughs> if onion. you've heard this before.
1: Not. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't usually hear it called like an onion, but, you know, go on.
0: Well, it's got many layers. Okay. So uh, you want to... I mean, a pool fence is, well, we'll get back to pool fences, but mainly the first things that you could do just super fast, super easy would be to put alarms on any door that opens to the backyard. Uh, You can add a splash alarm to the pool. There's also the safety turtle wristwatch that you can attach to your child so that if it gets put, puts an alarm off uh, on a base station as well. Um, I would say, I mean, don't do what my parents did. My parents just put a leash on me. They were just, yeah. An actual leash? An act, yeah, like the chest harness. Every time we, I mean, not for a pool per se, but I would often be, find myself in like a in a department store wearing a leash. Uh, and then I would like go under a coat rack and tie it to the coat rack and then bounce. And uh, <laughs> you could probably tell why I ended up with a leash in the first place. So, <laughs> I,
1: I think, I actually think the leashes are a good idea a lot of times, you know, but, uh, you know, that's just me.
0: Yeah, maybe at, like, uh, Disneyland or something, I could totally see right. that. I mean, that's a great example. Yeah, absolutely, you know. So, um, so other yeah, I would say, oh, sorry, I was going to get back to just the layers of protection, the alarms like on doors and windows, uh, door locks that are at least, you know, 50 or 60, excuse me, 60 inches off of the deck so the child can't reach them. Just, like, little push pins or dowels that go into the top of, like, sliding glass doors, or any door with a handle as well. But those are all layers, but for me, what seems like the most effective layer is a a pool fence because it isolates the pool from the rest of the yard. Uh, it keeps the children just out of that area completely. It's not something that if, you know, you have music on, you're not gonna hear the alarm or something like that. Or if uh, the alarm batteries go out, you know, things, some of them plug in and there's Lots of different things out there, but the key feature is to have as many layers of protection that you need in order to feel uh, comfortable uh, in your yard, in your house, um, you know, with with your with your children running around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I always break it down into what I call five point five layers of protection. You know, so parent supervision being the first one, like you said, which. You know, unfortunately, as we all know, human beings are, are fallible, right? Um, none of us are perfect. It's impossible to watch a toddler all of the time. In fact, the parents that terrify me the most are the ones that say, no, I'm good. I always watch my child. Uh, those parents scare the bejesus out of me uh, because that's not realistic, right? No, Nobody watches their child all the time. And every parent who has a hilarious story about their kid, you know, covering the wall in crayon, um, who doesn't have layers of protection in place, you know, just got lucky they didn't go into the pool instead. Um, so yeah. parents' revision is, you know, the, the main one. Um, then locks on all the doors and windows. Alarms on the doors and windows lead to the pool. Then a pool safety fence. Uh, then alarms in the pool or the safety turtle, like you said, that's worn on the child. Then swimming lessons, um, the child knowing how to rescue himself if he falls in, and then the uh, 5.5, the last kind of half layer protection, is CPR because you know that's not preventing an accident, but you know if you have kids, you need to know CPR. As as Yeah, absolute. You know,
0: I think that's a that's a really fantastic one. I actually, I think you probably know. I had a chance to go out and see uh, one of the ISR instructors do her thing. Yeah, talk about and that. go through one of the classes. Yeah. Uh, it was really a, a great experience. I mean, I had no idea that uh, you could take a literally an infant, barely, barely old enough to express themselves with any kind of words, uh, just and I mean, I don't want to sound insensitive here, but throw them in a pool and then watch them uh, get to a rescue position uh, within seconds in a way that they can alert an adult that they're in the pool. Also, eventually. I think it's within like six to eight lessons they can uh, get to the rescue position where they can alert a, an adult that they're in the pool by just yelling and screaming, but also kicking their way to the edge and then grabbing a hold of the edge so that they could, if they can't get rescued immediately, they can at least be safe until an adult does eventually get out there. And that is, I mean, I don't have any children yet, but I got to say, that was a hard thing to watch. I mean, having all of these children and then all of the parents for the children sitting, you know, 30 feet away, sweating bullets while their kids scream and cry bloody murder uh, for doing the hardest thing that they ever had to do in their lives up to that point, which is uh, trying to. I got a voicemail. Sorry. That's uh, one reason not to do this on your phone. Right. <laughs> uh, but um yeah it was a really really difficult thing to watch you know I mean they weren't even my kids and I was like oh my god like this someone get that kid out of this pool like (laughs) you know so but it was really the kids who had been doing this for a few weeks it was really inspiring to see them get to their back get to a safe position get to the edge of the pool even after having um uh being like turned or rolled just they're good to go it was really impressive I no idea. Some of my first memories are mm-hmm. learning how to mm-hmm. swim, but it was nothing like that. That was pretty, um, pretty, pretty amazing. And, uh, and, and and honestly, I would rather have a kid,
1: you know, cry for a few 10 minute lessons and learn the skills, you know, he or she needs to save herself in the event that she ever fell in the water, um, then, you know, go through life mm-hmm. without this mm-hmm. experience and then be in trouble, you know, if something ever happened to her. So you know, I don't mind seeing kids cry a little bit. You know, if that means that they're safer for it, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I I totally agree. And and uh,
1: and did you see them? um, Any kids go in the water fully dressed? Sorry, one more time. Did you see any kids fall into the water during those lessons where they were fully dressed, with their shoes on and their clothes and their shirt and the whole nine?
0: So not at that lesson, but I have seen seen that uh, before, where that's because that's a whole different layer uh, or a whole new different challenge, you know. Right. Being completely dressed and falling into the water.
1: Yeah, because most kids who drown uh, are thought to be inside the house, which means that they're in their regular clothes. So you know, ISR and its wisdom, you know, teaches kids how to save themselves with their clothes on, with shoes on, you know, with a shirt on, with a diaper on, with sh- you know, pants on you know um someone explained it to me recently that they want the the first time that a child falls in the pool and flips over and floats with their clothes on to be with an instructor not you know in a pool in a dangerous situation um which i, I like the the sound of that you know that they're you know they get practice doing it with an instructor before you know the chance of them doing it on their own and actually saving themselves so um yeah, I like yeah. that they take it all the way Definitely. to, you know, fully dressed because it really addresses the the real situation and not just you know pays lip service to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean that uh, that's why it's one of the best uh, layers of protection out there. But supervision, like you hit on before, is really a good one. Uh, I, I don't know. I repeat this on SMMs office, but one of my uh, one of the houses we were renting when I was growing up was had a pool. And one of the games that you know I and my friends thought would be fantastic and just all good fun would be to run across the blue bubble mat as fast as possible, and whoever gets the furthest wins. no prize, they just win. What do they win? They get to live yay uh, yeah. uh but <laughs> obviously a very dangerous thing, and you never know what kids are gonna do uh while while you're not around and i uh, probably one of the worst examples of that. Right here with two thumbs. Uh, just, just, and, and so when I go on estimates uh, for, you mentioned kind of tailor fitting fences to match every customer's needs. If I, if there's three little bulls in the same house, I always recommend our solid core fence every single time. I'm like, this is going to be what you're going to want because it has, not only has a lifetime warranty. So eventually, when one of these guys breaks a hole, I'll come out here and replace it for you. But also, it's the strongest fence on the market. It doesn't actually break; it just kind of yields to bending at a certain point, and then you can bend it back. So, I mean, since pool fence is your thing,
1: if someone was going to buy a fence, what features, what you know, qualities in the fence should they look look for so they know they're getting the right kind of fence?
0: So, uh, a lot of a lot of people have the a situation, especially if they're only having one child, where they may have waited or they just moved into a house that had a pool or they're only going to need a pool fence for like maybe a year and a half or two right. years or however long, you know, until they can get their, their child's swim safe. Uh, and in those situations, I often recommend going with uh, our ex our expo products uh, because it's uh, less per foot cost. And oftentimes if there's, I mean, especially if they just bought a new home, there are a hundred different projects they're trying to tackle at the same time. They all cost way more than they thought they did, and if I can try and keep the keep it to a lower budget for them on the installation for a pool fence, uh, they're really satisfied with that, and I'm really happy to you know meet meet and exceed their expectations. Um, unlike I said before, oftentimes if there's three little boys in one house or if it's a house uh, that is like the kind of hangout house on the on the block for the neighborhood, or especially um, uh, there was a few uh, swim uh, swim backyard swim schools that we've done, I recommend going with our lifesaver pool because it has a lifetime warranty from you guys uh, for manufacturer defects, as well as a lifetime warranty from us here in San Diego, because when I install one of these fences, it's basically like leaving a gigantic business card in people's backyards, and uh, I don't ever want that to even look kind of funny, so what I what I tell my customers is that, you know, if you have any problem at all, give me a call, shoot me a picture message, I can go over it with just a picture message alone, I could uh, either talk through uh, what's going on with the fence, or just add that to my next estimate day, which is usually... You- Within 48 hours, anyways, and just stop by for a few minutes just to take care of it. I'd way rather take care of it when it's a small problem and just charge nothing than have uh, something that could eventually, you know, be more intensive, labor intensive for me, anyways. So,
1: yeah, I mean, that all makes perfect sense. Um, and, you know, I, I like what you said about the lifetime warranty. So, you know, if a lifetime warranty is one thing people should look out for, what's another specific um feature that someone you know uh in the market for a pool fence should make sure that they have in their pool fence like a must-have um component to a fence that you think is important
0: um so if it's a fence that's going to be staying up for a while i would say you must have a gate because if you just use a setback pool That's a good, better than good chance that eventually you take the pole out and then you just get busy and uh, get a phone call or something and forget to put the pole back into place. And for anyone not familiar with a setback pole, uh, essentially it takes the place of a self closing, self latching gate, but not as effectively because it is a manual, close, manual opening and closing system. Two poles next to each other, you take one out, you set it back in another pole, setback pole. So, uh, and then when you want to close the fence back up, put it back in the original place, reattach the latch, and you're good to go. Uh, But if it's something that you're gonna be leaving up for a really long time, you know, parents who are uh, getting a fence for their first child, their second child isn't walking yet, and they're already planning on having another child, you know, that fence is gonna be up for a really long time. Uh, I always recommend going with one of our self-closing, self-latching gates in that case. And of the gates, I nine times out of ten recommend our arch gate because it looks fantastic. It breaks up the fence, and you can see where the gate is even from forty feet away. Uh, As well as, you know, I really I really like the copper vein fence. I like just it's shiny. You know, what do you even say? It's really nice. So, and then the copper vein arch gate, it just like wow. You know, especially compared to like a. uh, uh, square stock, uh, square the, gate. That's on black, high gloss black, and not powder coated. Yeah. <laughs>
1: if uh, if somebody is getting quotes for a pool fence from different companies, uh, what questions should they ask the person coming out of their home?
0: That is a fantastic question, and I'm gonna take just a quick sip of coffee here as we're answering that. <laughs> so kind of distracting, but anyway. Also, I'm leaning forward because I am doing this on my phone. So right. the volume, I got gotcha. you. For some reason, the volume just cut to a third of what it was when we started. So okay, I might just say hang out right here the whole time. You're um, fine. The questions you should ask if, when you're when you're getting estimates for a pool set. Right. Your first question probably shouldn't be what's the per foot cost of this fence because it's not just about the price per foot of the fence your question should be, what is the warranty on the fence? You know, what does that cover? And do you, what, tell me about the installation process because doing the border section, rebordering the fence, it doesn't sound like a big step, you know. Uh, again, just to explain the the terms here, rebordering a fence is when you cut a short section and you um, you have to take the pole off, you cut the mesh where you need it to go you reattach the border material and then put the pole back into place. By reattaching the border material, you're splitting the load of anything that's affecting that pole across the entire length of the border as of the mesh and border, as opposed to just, you know, splitting the load across a couple of screws that are screwed into the textile mesh. So you lose like, I don't know something like 80% of the strength of that section if you don't reborder the mesh and it's probably the 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 step that I see cut corners on the most whenever I go do re- repair jobs. We did a repair job uh, a few days ago where we had to do nine reorder nine sections. It was it's kind of kind of insane. I was uh, pretty uh, the reason we have to it too is because you could literally just grab the fence and rip it off the pool because it didn't have uh, the the border on there. So you have to ask, you know, do you reboarder the sections when you go into dirt? Do you use a metal sleeve instead of a PVC sleeve? Um, just trying to make sure that the quality of the install is going to be something you'd be happy with oh, okay. months from
1: now, let alone ten years from now and what questions should they ask about the
0: product about the product uh, so where is it manufactured should be first and foremost um, <laughs> ideally it should be manufactured in Delray Beach Florida right <laughs> so <laughs> um, but definitely making sure it's manufactured in the United States it is a huge huge uh, quality control Thing that you can just figure out while you're on the estimate site, just hey, where does it get manufactured? Um, you know, how large are the holes? Are ones that I often get as another really good question because there's two main different sizes of holes out there there's an inch and an eighth, and there's five eighths inch. If you're just looking at it and eyeballing it, value is half inch and one inch. And so on the half inch hole, those normally installed with a rotary hammer drill as instead of a coring drill. Which is a huge, huge uh, deterrent for me because you know, if I did it with a hammer drill, it'd be way faster. You know, I'd be done installing in like an hour and a half because I just be like right. zip, 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 zip. But it's uh, it's extremely da- can be extremely damaging to the concrete, and it's also uh, not liquid cooled, so there's it just creates a lot of dust, which in and of itself is a hazard, uh, and when we use a coring drill all of that kind of concrete slurry is really easy just to wash down into the drain uh, system or you know collect so uh also the one inch diameter poles means that you have more options as far as what to do with the holes when you're done with the fence let's say if it's the grandparents who aren't going to have the fence up very often you know they take the fence down most of the time and just put it up when their grandchildren are over well they have the option of dropping in a LED power or a solar recharged LED light uh, that only fits in the one inch diameter pole and especially if it goes all the way around the pool which the fence often does uh, it looks it, it looks very nice at night it's not something that's really uh, it's not something that pe- most people think of when they're thinking you know, what am I going to do with this after after I'm done with the fence, but every single one of my customers who have seen one of those LED lights and goes, wow, that's a great idea, you know? Uh, so I really, you know, I really, uh, I really try and recommend those to customers who are only going to have the fence up temporarily, essentially, but also if they're worried about the aesthetics of the fence or having the holes in the future, um, and that, that's another thing if you're worried about having the holes in your deck don't go with the five eighths inch because first of all you're going to have way more of them in the deck because you only have 12 foot sections so that means you're going to have more double posts or even tighter spacing which means more holes but also the quality of the hole counts So of like you a rotary impact hammer drill you're going to have you know 67 really jacked up looking holes in your concrete when you're done or uh, you could have sixty. You though it's not a huge difference, but sixty extremely well-cut cord, uh, cord holes in the deck, where you still have the negative that you pull out of the deck. So you could use that to color match the concrete if you wanted to patch with concrete. Uh, you could also, um, you know, drop in the LED solar lights. But you're not going to have like cracked or chunky kind of concrete around the hole. It's going to be Really clean. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, the name core drill is actually kind of a, a miss. You know, it's, it's a name that can throw somebody off because what it really does is the core drill cuts the hole in the concrete. You know, it slices through the deck. So you get this really clean um, hole, not like a, a hammer drill that's chipping away at the concrete. So it's, a, it's an entirely different experience, I think, kind of like you described. Yeah. And that negative you, you talked about is actually the the inside the core, you know, the, the tube um, that gets cut out of the deck comes out intact. Like it's one long, you know, one four inch cylinder um, yeah. that my dad used to bring home with him when I was a kid and bring to me um, when he started Lifesaver in 1987. And he was doing jobs in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I used to think the core was really cool. So he would bring them home for me when I was a kid. You know, like if you did a cool deck with Chattahoochee or Marble or, you know, some cool surface. You know, I, I had this, like, core collection in my room because I was a nerd and uh, I thought they were cool, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I have good memories of those cores. But um, so, I mean, it's already uh, noon here, which means it's 9 a.m. for you. Uh, thank you very much. So, you know, what kind of water safety advice would you leave parents with as we uh, wrap this up here?
0: So, uh, water safety advice is first and foremost: if you're have a, if you're a parent of a younger child, a very young child, mm-hmm. ISR lessons, you know, use CPR certified if you want already. Uh and also think about what layer of the protection that you would think are appropriate for your house. But as many as possible, can't you? Uh, <laughs> go over on the uh, layers, you know, have one or two extra layers. You don't want to have, you don't want to go, oh man, if I just had that one extra layer, I could have avoided at best uh, a trip to the emergency room. So um, it's really- And and the new law in California right now, where you're at
1: um, actually requires two layers. Yeah, exactly. Which is is a great law. The law in California right now, it's brand new. It just passed and it is by far the best pool safety law in the country and it the reason it's such a good law is because it utilizes the concept of layers of protection which every pool safety expert in the country thinks is a good idea including the federal government's consumer product safety commission you know they recommend layers of protection Um, they sometimes call it simple steps uh, simple steps save lives so you know, the whole um, industry, uh, non-profit, for-profit, etc., all recommend layers of protection. And the law in California is the first law in the country to take that idea and legislate it and make it into, you know, uh, make it into law. So <laughs> they give you, like, seven options or maybe five options. I think it's seven. So and seven then, you have, then you have to pick two of them, uh, which I think is fantastic. Uh, I, I wish... And I hope other states in the country will model their pool safety laws uh, out of the one in California because they've really done a terrific job. And I know Nadina Rigsby and Marsha Kerr and, you know, some other uh, people that behind the scenes who are involved in getting that law made, you know, did tremendous work in getting that passed. And uh, I, I'm super yeah. excited that the, at least one state in the country has taken a step forward in the right direction with such a well thought out, intelligent law, but but you're right. You know, if two is the minimum, right? If two is what's required, you know, three, you know, going one step beyond is probably a good idea. So, yeah, no one's saying you have to go
0: with a little seven. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I'm, one of the reasons that law is so well thought out and uh, legislated is because, unfortunately, just statistically, because there's so many people in California, like some of the other larger states. There are a lot of drownings, unfortunately, a lot of child drownings. I think last year was uh, like 14 children drowned in California and said, oh. while being, I'm sure, uh, supervised or under the supervision of an adult who is responsible for their well being. And that's too many. You know, that's one of the reasons I get up and do what I do is to keep that from happening. So um, just. Every day, you know, <laughs> like you were saying at the beginning of our interview. <laughs> uh, so.
1: Yeah, out, out there every day, you know. And um, and just real quick, uh, you know, both Nadina and Marsha, um, who were, you know, behind the scenes in creating that law, uh, they both lost children to drowning. Um, Marsha Kerr, actually, her, her and her husband were our first ever dealers, and they were in California. Uh, they were the they were the first ever lifesaver pool fence dealer, and um, marsha has gone on to work for the Consumer Product Safety Commission, and she's been a huge advocate for water safety for the past you know thirty years. Um, and Nadina is the OG; she's the original uh, pool safety advocate, and you know all the way back from the seventies, I believe. So you know, wow. this this has been a great um, outcome for them. But yeah, so yeah. I, I like your. Your, your parting thought about the you know installing as many layers of protection as you can as you can manage. And you know, I think the last thing I want to leave on is if, if somebody has a mis what is a misconception about pool fence that you think people have that you would like to clear up for the world at large here? A
0: misconception. Yeah. Other than thinking that it's gonna be ugly when it's up. It, it you know, I know we already talked about that. Yeah. Um Oh, that it's going to be way too expensive. I guess okay. is sure. another good misconception I could address. Right. We, uh, you know, you lifesaver <laughs> have a fence, and uh, to match any budget, that will that will do the job of keeping your child safe. Even even the DIY product that you guys sell online is a uh, effective barrier at keeping children away from the pool. Uh, and our X pole is a great product. The the Y pole is a great product. The solid core—they're all really great products. And they're the—you know—I would never say to someone even even if you have pennies to rub together, give me a call. And we'll figure something out. Because I would rather install the job, or I would rather get the job installed, just so there's not another unfortunate statistic than having to worry about you know, oh, this is going to be the most expensive thing in my yard. It's, you know, it it's not, you know, even pool maintenance is more expensive than a pool fence. You know, right. uh, if you yeah. were to add it up over the course of the year, it, it really, it's not that expensive. So I would say don't let anything stop you from adding whatever layers you can for protection. Perfect. That's awesome. Anything else you want to add? Um, live long and prosper.
1: Beautiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like yeah. that. I, I always wish I could do that. So where can people find you? If someone wants to get a hold of you, if there's somebody, you know, so you cover the entire San Diego area,
0: right? Yeah. I uh, will go pretty much all the way up to Temecula and uh, uh, just above Tijuana. Uh, so, <laughs> and then pretty much as far East as I, I as I can go, I think I've gone halfway to Arizona before do it as oh, well so um but if you want to get a hold of me you can call me at uh 619 554 2002 uh that's a cell phone you can text me there at the same same number you could also email me at j at poolfence.com com as well as uh if you're social media savvy hit me on facebook instagram youtube yelp <laughs> Bing all of it snapchat I don't know Maybe. <laughs> I don't have a snapchat yet but um, I'm sure I'll get one here by the end of the week but if yeah, I, yeah. I'm Yelp is probably my favorite one because you could write me a message on there you can also see your reviews and pictures Facebook is very similar to that but you can see my super <laughs> amateur videos on there as well
1: and your lifesaver pool fence of San Diego in all those places right
0: yes lifesaver okay. pool fence of San Diego awesome. or if you are just trying to find me online you type in my phone number brings up everything six one nine five five four two zero zero two right that's fantastic yeah. thank you john all this right re- well so it cool. was a pleasure doing this interview with you yeah um do you have any other questions no you? that's it you, you did fantastic I, I really enjoyed this
1: awesome me too all well right, i'll talk john. to you again Eric. all right thanks john have a great one um thank so you. For everybody else, we are actually going to be, and maybe, John, you, sh- you should know this, too. Uh, we are we are sticking to San Diego, because he's just putting his ear right up to it. I love that. Here's what I'm going to do. Actually, I'm going to put the focus on me. Watch this, because I'm important, I can, and I have power. Yeah. I can do this. Um, on Monday, we are switching to, uh, we are staying in San Diego, and we're interviewing Mary Ann Downing, who is the pool safety mom. And I think John met her once. Um, She is awesome, and she is one of the original, I believe, board members of the National Drowning Prevention Alliance. If not original, then she was on it for a long, long time. Um, She is a, a tireless pool safety advocate, even though that none of her professional life is tied into water safety anymore. She still preaches water safety and teaches water safety and supports water safety all the time. She's on several boards. Uh, in fact, when she does the interview with us on Monday, she's going to be at a uh, swimming lesson masterclass. And she's going to join us at 6 a.m. Uh, California time, 9 a.m. my time. And it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Marianne Downey is amazing. She's one of my favorite people. And she's also in San Diego, right down the street from John. So we're gonna keep it West Coast on Monday. So if you guys wanna tune in, we will look forward to seeing you then. And that's it, this is the eighth episode I think it's number eight, right? Sarah says it's number eight. It's got to be number eight of the uh, child safety resource. Thank you all so much. We will see you on Monday.
0: Goodbye, John. Yeah, one more thing to add. Go the for it. Left Tell coast me. Is the best coast. The left coast San is the best coast. Diego. <laughs> I love it.
1: Perfect, man. You take it all easy. Right, talk to you later. Eric. Bye. Bye.